0: We've received Breaking news from the murder of Joseph Ne. Despite the wounding of Cheryl Corbell, the focus of the police investigation we now. Sentence each of you. Then we are investigating a and serious the incident. We will work in the together city. and we will find you. We will prosecute. You, you. will be detained at his Majesty's. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this, and welcome to the Oxfordshire Court and Crime podcast. My name is G, and I am the Court and Crime reporter for the Oxford Mail, which brings you this podcast. This is the third episode into the murder trial of Jorge Carenio. Now, usually there's been a week between podcasts, but it's only been... three days since I recorded the last podcast and on the Friday the trial didn't sit as a jury member was sick and on Monday and today uh, recording it on a Tuesday has been the defence case so I thought right let's jump in let's go through the two days of evidence with Blake on the stand before the jury retire. Now, before we jump in, I do have to remind you that this is an ongoing trial, so the jury have not retired, a decision has not been made, and everything that is being said is either the case of the prosecution or the defence. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in law, and they are in this podcast as well. So if you're listening to this quite far in the future and you're thinking, you know, G didn't mention this or she didn't mention that, it's just because proceedings are still very much active right now and I'm reporting as the trial goes on. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the defence case in the murder trial of Jorge (music) Quirrhenio. So Blake took the stand for the first time on Monday afternoon with her defence barrister, Richard Sutton KC, taking her through her evidence. So I thought we would be best to start with a little bit about Blake, which is the first thing the jury heard. And then I'm going to try my best to take you through the evidence chronologically, even though it was heard in bits and pieces at various stages. Blake was born on the 18th of February 1998 in China. She first moved to the UK with her parents at the age of nine who are both medical professionals. I believe she said her mum was a cardiac surgeon before becoming a researcher and her dad was also... um, a doctor I believe, definitely worked in the medical profession. She lived with her mum in Crotch Crescent Marston and her dad still lived in China for work reasons. Blake said growing up she had a fairly strained relationship with her parents because at around the age of 12 she came out to them as transgender. She told the jury that she had always wanted to be a girl, but it had created a very large emotional rift between her parents. Without going into it in too much detail, she was describing how her parents thought it was a very difficult path for her to go down, and was they were trying to persuade her to take a different direction. Basically, she said, "quote unquote" to the jury, "I have a lot of unmet parenthood needs." I feel very forsaken, I suppose. She told the jury that she didn't have any surgical intervention, but at the age of 17, she did start to take testosterone blockers. She described not wanting to gain sort of masculine muscle. She said she would often starve herself because she didn't want sort to of build that muscle up and bulk out. And she described her strength as an unfit female. Emotionally, Blake described herself as having suffered from depression growing up and also a dissociative disorder. Just quoting from her in the trial, she said, I feel like I just started existing. It feels like I was really fragmented. If I was to divide the whole of one's ego up, it would be a pie chart between my personality and other parts. It's not a cohesive whole. She said that she often self-harmed and that a lot of the medical equipment that was eventually found in her home was used for this purpose. Moving on in her evidence, Mr. Sutton started to talk to Blake about her relationship with Ashlyn Bell. Now, you may remember this name from the first podcast. She was the American girl, Blake's former partner, who eventually came to tell police about the alleged confession. Now, we will get to this further on in the podcast, but first I want to take you back to how the pair met. The pair first met and started talking on a messaging platform called Discord, where Blake's username was Bloodmoth. She was asked to go into more detail about why she named herself this, and I will quote her word for word. She said, it's a metaphor for my own tendency to do things that were damaging to myself, like a moth laying there in the fire until they are burnt. And blood is the type of obsession I ended up having. I'm obsessively drawn to my own death and harm, I suppose, in that I end up bleeding a lot. She said that Ashlyn Bell's username was murder Mutt because of her obsession with murder and also through seeing herself as a dog. So the pair started talking on Discord and Blake said that she was attracted to Miss Bell because she thought... Oh cool, this is someone deranged enough to kill me because apparently I am really bad at killing myself. Now these are the exact words she said to the jury in reference to her experience with self-harming. She said that Miss Bow was someone who was quite interested in violence and harm in a sexual way and she thought that Miss Bell would be someone who would eventually end her life because of the sexual gratification that she receives from that. A lot of the messages between the pair were about strangulation and rape and just general violence and harm and Blake explained this to the jury as just being fantasies and role-playing for sexual gratification. She said because of the testosterone blocker that she herself didn't actually receive sexual gratification from these conversations because she had lost her libido. But she did it more so for Miss Bell, and that for her, on her side of things, it was more of a way to appease Miss Bell in the hope that one day she would eventually kill her. Now, this relationship seemed to take a turn for the worse when Blake explained that because of her mental health issues that she had started to feel fear of abandonment, which she said Miss Bell used against her in order to get her to do things that she didn't necessarily want to do. Cue what the court has dubbed the cat evidence. Blake told the jury it was Miss Bell that had an obsession with killing animals and it was her that told Blake to go out kidnap a cat and kill it for her for either a valentine's present or a birthday present blake can't quite remember blake said that she didn't want to do this but she was fearful of the punishment she might receive from miss bell if she didn't go through with it for example she had a fear of abandonment and she had been threatened by miss bell that she would ghost her or stop replying to her blake said on two previous occasions this had happened and it had caused her to have a mental health spiral and self-harm and she had ended up in hospital twice. She told the jury she was fearful that if she didn't do it she could end up dead at her own hands. So I won't go into too much detail about the cat evidence again as I know it's not something that people want to hear but in brief as you remember Blake kidnapped the cat and killed it and put pieces of the cat in a blender. When asked by Mr. Sutton how she felt during this Blake said that she felt very guilty, very awful, very lost, and she was just doing it to appease Miss Bell. So quoting directly from her in the trial, she said, I was just trying to meet expectations, meet demands, and be happy about it. To narrate a different persona, to act as if I was someone who enjoyed the suffering of others and animals. To be who I'm not. I expected the cat to die a lot quicker. It's why I ended up stabbing it through the heart to stop the suffering I suppose. Something I could do without it looking like I was freaking out. She told the jury that she was pretending the cat was an inanimate object and when asked later in the trial during cross-examination by prosecutor Alison Morgan Casey why she was seen to be laughing and smiling in the video, Blake said the whole thing was choreographed purely for Miss Bell. She said she wanted it to to look real. She wanted it to look dramatic. She wanted Miss Bell to force herself to look away because of the gruesome things she was doing so that Miss Bell would never ask her to do it again. It's also the first time in the trial that we heard Blake actually kept the cat's heart in a jar of salt to preserve it and when asked later in the trial by Miss Morgan why she had done this she said, I feel like it's nothing I should forget, not something I should brush off, not something I should be able to go to sleep and forget that it happened. I'm just briefly gonna touch more on the cross-examination about the cat evidence so that we can put it to bed and we don't have to talk about it again. Um, So Miss Morgan also asked about the cat video and the music that was playing in the background, which if I can remember it at the top of my head was true faith by new order which the prosecution say is a homage essentially to the netflix documentary don't f with cats in which murderer luke mcnotter is playing this music when he kills john lynn and is obviously eventually convicted for that Miss Morgan is asking where this music is is coming from and if it is connected to Netflix, which Blake denies and says that the music was actually on a loop because of the movie American Psycho and the scene in it where Patrick Bateman kills a colleague with an axe. She said that song was in the background and that's why it was played. So when Miss Morgan said, but you do know who Luke McNaughton is, Blake said no and that she wasn't really listening to Miss Bell when she was talking about the Netflix documentary and that she just dismissed it when asked why Blake could be heard comparing what she was doing to the cat and what she would like to do to a person Blake told the jury that she's always been fascinated with human anatomy but she had never got the chance to do it because she said it would be unethical but then but that she would have to do it in medical school and she didn't get the grades for that as she eventually dropped out of sixth form Miss Morgan then touched on the previous evidence that Blake said about how she felt guilty and awful about the cat and Miss Morgan said, so it must be an appalling memory for Blake that scarred her every waking moment. Blake said, I suppose it was pretty traumatic but compared to everything I've been through it's not the worst. I had to take some medicine not to throw up. However, Miss Morgan then points out several occasions where Blake appears to be telling people about the cat video and in one case she says to someone, God I want to effing open him up like my little cat friend. Blake said that She said this during an acute psychiatric episode where she feared she was being this awful person or becoming this awful person that would hurt people around her. She said that message was voicing her fears. She then said that a later message that she sent to another former partner, Evie Brockman, where she said, there's a video of me killing, dissecting and mutilating a cat. It was like four hours long, was because her and Evie were talking in the context of extreme things they had done for other people and that was pretty much the summary of the cat evidence so you'll be pleased to know i won't be mentioning that again so let's move on mr Sutton then starts to talk to blake about the day in question july 25th 2021 firstly mr sutton asks about the picture that blake had taken of herself with the leopard print dressing gown that she either appears to be holding or is in the background of the photo. You may remember the prosecution mentioned this as significant because it was something that she had used as a ligature when strangling her partners in a sexual context. She said that... The dressing gown was just something that was present in her room because she slept nude and that the postman often woke her up in the morning. So the dressing gown would be there so she could quickly grab it and put it on. She said in the photo she wasn't actually holding the dressing gown cord. It just happened to be on a banister. And it was the illusion of the photo that made it look like she was holding it. She denied it having any significance. When asked why she had taken the selfie in the first place, she said... She thinks that Miss Bell had asked her to take a photo and that's why she had sent it. It had nothing to do with the events that occurred later in the night. So when asked why Blake was seen to be walking around the city centre of Oxford in the early hours of the morning, Blake said that she is a chronic insomniac and that she had left her house that evening because she wanted to clear her head, essentially. Combining a bit of the cross-examination here, she was asked if she thought her behaviour on that night seemed predatory at all, because in some of the CCTV footage she can be seen sort of stopping and looking down streets as if sort of looking for a victim is how the prosecution had described it, but... Blake said she completely refuted this idea. She said in some of the clips where she can be seen stopping and looking, it's because she's seen someone walking fast or it's caught her eye. She doesn't think that her behaviour was odd in any way. When asked what was in her rucksack that she was seen carrying that night, Blake said it was just useful things. She denied having a garrote in there. She denied having carried the dressing gown with her. However, she did admit earlier in the trial to Mr. Sutton that she had bought a bottle of vodka with her and it was something that she was sipping as she walked. She said she remembers that she may have offered some of it to Mr. Cronio later in the night, but she can't recall if he did sip from it or not. When asked why she was wearing a mask that night, Blake said that she was just very conscious about the coronavirus pandemic at the time. And she said to Miss Morgan in cross-examination that she was outraged that quicker intervention by the government hadn't happened. However, Miss Morgan pointed out that on March 21st, 2020, Blake was seen at a goth night in a club called Intrusion. Blake's response to this photo was that her outrage was more to do with the lack of production with personal protection equipment as opposed to the lockdown but she also commented that she wasn't delusional in her ability to help and that her staying home for one night wasn't going to solve it. So now we get to the evidence where Blake came about Mr. Crenio in Radcliffe Square at about 4am. I feel like it'll be quite beneficial to read most of what she said so I am live blogging the trial most days and honestly if you're a journalist listening to this and you're thinking about starting a podcast I cannot advise more doing a live blog because it's so easy to just go back and read through all the evidence which is exactly what I'm going to do now. So when Blake first saw Mr Creno she said I saw a person who seemed to be sat in the middle of the alleyway, which is typically indicative of someone not having the greatest of times and I was concerned. I was wondering if he was passed out, asleep, injured, in need of help. Well, I had a look, he didn't seem to be doing anything so I went and poked him on the shoulder I think, or the arm, and asked if he was okay. He seemed to have been asleep why is he asleep sat down on the side of the road i asked how his night was going how he ended up here he wasn't giving coherent answers there's snippets of information but it's not organized or coherent there seemed to be a big night out where he walked in a big circle and now he doesn't really know where he is or where his home is he didn't seem to be in the state of mind to stand up he seemed to be he seemed to be rather tired or drunk i'm not sure so as i was asking him these questions i sat down next to him Blake said that she then got out her bottle of vodka and started sipping from it as she was talking to Jorge. She said she was trying to figure out where his home address was and asking him for his ID because his address would be written on there but um, he said he'd lost his wallet. She said eventually she mentioned that she was going to go home because she thinks she got cold but Jorge... Still didn't seem to know which way he was going and she said that he seemed to enjoy the company so they carried on making idle chat about their lives and his night out and walked together in the direction of Parsons Pleasure. Now originally we thought that Blake had denied going to Parsons Pleasure with Mr Carenio, but she said in her evidence earlier today that Mr Crenio said his feet were hurting from boots that were bought for him by his ex-girlfriend and that he wanted to sit down. So Blake told him she was going in the direction of Parsons Pleasure as it was somewhere she often went on walks during the night and uh, sat by the river as it was quite a tranquil space. So both of them walked to the river together. And she said essentially the two walked there, sat on the concrete block and just carried on talking about their lives and his night out. She said she carried on sipping from the vodka bottle, but can't remember if Jorge had had any. She said eventually that she wanted to go home, but she didn't want Jorge to walk back to her house. She said to the jury, and I quote... It kind of it kind of felt like I was in one of those times where it feels like I'm a, in a video game. I spoke to someone for a quest and now they are going to follow me until I find the drunk guy's home. I told him when we left that we really should go that he should really go the other way, the way we just came from and I would carry on going where I live. I asked him if he knew where Marston is and he didn't, so I thought we could safely assume his home wasn't on the way to Marston or in Marston, so I told him to go the other way. But I did leave my bottle of vodka with him as I felt I was slipping into my old habit of drinking. And Blake told the jury that that was when she left and she went home. And when asked by Mr. Sutton if she had hit him on the back of the head with a bottle, Blake said, I'm pretty sure I didn't do that. I'm confident that did not happen. Now, quickly flipping to the cross-examination of day of july 25th before jumping on to what happened after that miss morgan asked blake about her phrasing of her saying that she's pretty sure she didn't hit him and she's very confident it didn't happen and blake replied that she has memory issues so sometimes has skepticism in one's memory she said i can say now i did not hit him on the back of the head with a vodka bottle i was sure then and i'm sure now is there any other wording you'd like to scrutinize Miss Morgan did ask further questions about whether Blake had strangled Mr. Crenio, whether she had hit him on the back of the head, but Blake denied having any involvement and continued to say that she had just left the scene and that she didn't know what happened to Mr. Crenio. She said she assumed he may have drowned, uh, but she didn't find out that he had died until about two days later. So moving on to the events After Jorge was found on July 26, 2021, Blake said that she had found out through the news that Jorge had passed away after she had seen that Parson's pleasure had been blocked off. She said she had seen this as an opportunity because Miss Bell had previously asked her to kill a person after asking her to kill a cat. She told the jury, word for word, an extension from killing the cat, she was also trying to get me to kill a person and I didn't want to kill a person in the interest of keeping her happy because I wanted her to kill me one day because it's sexually stimulating for me and I was relatively depressed at that point. So I figured maybe I just really suck at suicide. Maybe someone else would be successful. She continued to say, and then I told Ashley that I killed that person. I made up some the details in a dramatic way. I told her that I used a garrote that I made to try and remove the person's head, but it was more difficult than I would have imagined or that sort. I then dumped the body in the river, which is what they are now pulling out. She said at first that Miss Bell didn't seem to believe her story, but when the local press, which would be us, started to release details about Parsons Pleasure being blocked off, the CCTV appeal of the mysterious figure that was last seen with Jorge, and eventually the inquest, which I covered in the middle of 2022, that left Jorge's death open-ended, that Miss Bell began to believe her story. In cross-examination she said this was why she hadn't responded to the police appeals because she was worried that the press would reveal that she had gone to talk to the police as a witness and that would mean Miss Bell would know she was not a murderer and had lied to her about the confession. The other reason was that she believed that she didn't have anything else to add about what Mr. Carenio had done that night. She said she believed that even if she had spoken to the police that the inquest would have ended in the same way which was open-ended or a narrative conclusion so she never came forward and identified herself as the mysterious figure. We then move on to the jacket which Blake was wearing the night that she was with Mr. Carreño that she eventually sent to miss bell in america now this was the piece of evidence that was given to the jury at the start of the trial as the reason as to why police were able to arrest blake because they were sent the jacket or the police officer that went out there was able to obtain the jacket and that was enough evidence to arrest her so mrs sutton was taking her through the evidence of the jacket which she said miss bell referred to as the murder jacket she said she had sent it because miss bell was obsessed with it and wanted to add it to her collection of military memorabilia And that the messages that Miss Bell sent to Blake, such as serial killer mask and God, I'm so turned on wearing it, it's like you're around me, was because that Miss Bell was obsessed with murder and violence and harm. However, she said that the relationship eventually ended and she suspected that it was because Miss Bell had started to disbelieve her story about killing Mr. Carenio. So after they split, this is when Blake then met her next girlfriend, Evie Brockman, and she moved in with Miss Brockman in Florida and the pair got engaged before they then moved to Colorado to briefly see Miss Bao before moving back to the UK. Now, remember in the previous podcast where Mrs. Sutton mentioned there was a Gun incident in America. Well, Blake has finally gone into more detail about what that included. So she said that her and Miss Brockman were always intending to move back to the UK, but they had popped in to see Miss Bell as a courtesy. As Blake said, she didn't want Miss Bell to feel like she had ghosted her or ignored her. So they went and I don't think they stayed with her. I think they said they stayed in like an apartment near the airport as they were always intending to leave. But essentially one evening Blake and Miss Bell had gone out drinking as it was Miss Bell's birthday, but that when they got back to the apartment, Miss Brockman said she needed to speak to Blake because she was concerned about Miss Bell. According to Blake, it seemed like Miss Bell and Miss Brockman were not getting along at all and both didn't trust each other when it came to Blake. So when Miss Brockman and Blake returned to the apartment after Miss Brockman had expressed her concerns, they allegedly found Miss Bell pointing a rifle at the pair. Blake said that she blocked Evie and she was trying to calm the situation down by saying it's okay, but the Gun down nothing's happening she said miss bell did this and lowered the rifle and handed it to her but then there was a further altercation between her and miss brockman quoting directly from blake she said ashlyn then started hitting evie and making threats and evie was very panicked at this point and was worried she was going to kill her and shouting at me to shoot ashlyn i was very drunk and holding a rifle that was loaded i was trying to figure out the most rational thing to do She then started wrestling me for the gun and shouted for her roommate who came out and took the gun away. She did also break my rib. Immediately after that, we decided to leave as soon as possible and as fast as possible. It was a few months after this that Miss Bell made the tip-off to police about the alleged lie or confession to killing Mr. Cranio and Blake said that she essentially believes that this incident is why she made that tip-off to, to get back at her because she said she knew Miss Bell didn't kill Jorge she just wanted her to get in trouble Now just before we go into the concluding statements of Blake and her evidence, I will touch a bit more on the cross-examination and some of the questions that Miss Morgan put to Blake. So one of them was about a message she had sent to Miss Brockman saying, The last time I found someone this drunk, they died. Blake said that she was just trying to make Evie feel better because... She had been staying at a hotel room, Blake this is, and she had opened the door to find a very drunk person outside and she had decided to let the drunk person come inside and sleep on the floor. So Blake said and I quote I was just saying that as a justification to letting a random stranger into my room the last time I found someone this drunk they died to make it seem light-hearted as I really didn't want her worrying about me. This is referring to Jorge as I found him passed out on the side of the road and they somehow ended up in the river later. They died I don't know how he died I assumed he drowned it wasn't something I did as to how I still don't know I wasn't there. She was also asked about the pictures that were found on her phone of the memorial that was left at Parsons Pleasure about a month after Jorge died, as well as a photograph of the tree which was very near to where Jorge's body was pulled from the river. Blake said that she had taken a picture of the memorial because she remembered that she had taken a picture of the missing cat poster and Miss Bell had reacted positively to it. So she had taken pictures of the memorial as well thinking that Miss Bell would react positively and that it would help in her disbelief at the start when she had told the alleged lie about killing Mr. Crenio. When asked by Miss Morgan if Blake thought this was disrespectful for the family, and if she ever thought of them, Blake said, Yes, if they saw me walking up to the memorial and taking a picture, I don't think they would be affected, but now I'm on trial with people saying I was disrespectful, that I hunted him down, that it was an unfortunate murder and not an unfortunate accident, that would cause psychological damage. It would hurt them now, I suppose. When asked about the photo of the tree that was actually taken on Miss Brockman's phone, Blake said that it was Miss Brockman that had chosen to photograph the tree and that it was part of a photo shoot project that she was doing. When asked why Blake was in the photo, she said she didn't believe she was, that she was only half in the photo. She wasn't posing, it was just Evie taking a photo of a random tree. Miss Morgan Casey also went through with Blake the video of Miss Brockman where she's recording herself and she's crying and she's saying that she's very scared of Blake and she's worried that Blake is going to try and kill her. Miss Morgan said to Blake, she is genuinely terrified of you. And Blake responds, yes, I have no doubt she genuinely felt that. However, I'm very sure before that and immediately after that, she wasn't afraid of me. She told officers she had the best time of her life with me. I think that really demonstrates she had an acute moment of panic. As we know, Blake was arrested on August 9th, 2023 and Evie did briefly speak to police before being escorted back to the airport and flown back to the US, but she never made a formal statement to the trial or to police and in re-examination, Mr. Sutton took Blake back through that evidence and a later message from Evie to her mum said, small update, everything is Okay. So finally, to conclude Blake's evidence, I will read the last thing that she told the jury, and this was in response to how she felt about Mr. Carreño's family. Blake said... I've actually contemplated going to the police and I spoke to a friend about it, but they didn't think much was to be gained because I honestly don't know what happened. I think it's tragic. I think the family will grieve either way. I don't think painting a target on me is going to help anyone. I hope they are able to move on. I've lost someone to suicide before. Not saying this is suicide. It's awful. It's never going to be the same again. I hope they can move on. I think the police would have a lot of questions. If I tell someone about my life in general, they'll be asking, What are you on about? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the defence case. I am now recording this on a Tuesday night and it's expected that the closing statements will start tomorrow on Wednesday, maybe concluding on Thursday morning with summing up from the jury. So potentially we could see a jury retire late Thursday afternoon or Friday morning. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. It means so much that you've taken half an hour of your day to listen to me ramble at you straight for 30 minutes. And I will see you again next, well, you will listen to me again next week when we potentially have a jury verdict. But if you cannot wait that long, please go to the Oxford Mail website for all your court and crime needs. You can also subscribe to my court and crime newsletter, which is similar to the podcast, just written down, and it goes into your email box every single Sunday. To find that, you can go to oxfordmail.co.uk/slash newsletters, or you can find us on all our social media platforms at Oxford Mail on TikTok or X. See, I remembered it was not Twitter this week. Lastly, if you've been affected by anything you've heard or read in our coverage of this trial, please visit the Samaritans website, which is just samaritans.org, or call 116 123. Thank you again, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Goodbye.